Welcome to Creature Crunch, the podcast where we take a creature and they're coming out of the walls, man. They're coming out of the goddamn walls. My name is Matt. And I'm one year old. I'm a little baby. <laughs> one year old. <laughs> one year old even. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's our anniversary episode. Woo! Yeah. Confetti. I'm not going to clean that up. Um, <laughs> he lives here now. <laughs> um, so, as we talked about at the end of the last, last episode, um, what better episode to kick off our new year than... Yeah. The year two of Cr- the podcast. Yep, and... Year two of the podcast. What, what a better movie to do than the f- Creature Crunch's first sequel and the sequel to the movie that we started it all. Yeah. Aliens. Yeah, and I hope this episode is going to be better than the Alien episode because... While I do encourage people to listen to the podcast, I do also encourage them to not listen to that first episode. Yeah, don't listen to the first episode. It's, it's a bad time. It's a bad time. It's cringe, hardcore. Um, I think, I mean, already I think this is better. Yeah. <laughs> I am a tad biased. Um, uh, I think it's better just because I knew I was going to be uh, recapping the <laughs> movie before we started this episode, Matt. <laughs> hey. Hey, now. You launched that at me, like, as soon as we started recording, you're like, oh, yeah, you're going to do the the recap, aren't you? I was like, I am? Chris, that was over a year ago. Let's let's let the past lay in the past. <laughs> um, well, uh, to turn it on your head, Chris, I'm actually going to take control of the Oh, go for it, man. It was a joke. Please do it. No. I, I didn't no. take notes. <laughs> I know oh, you didn't. I was looking at that. I was like, you oh, know. you took fewer notes than I usually do. Yeah. Okay, fine. Um, I'll do it, but I'm gonna take. I'm gonna read off of your notes. Go for it, man. <laughs> I want to see what you can do. <laughs> um, also, uh, that would be very, very interesting because uh, I note that you watched the yeah. extended cut. Uh, I watched uh, the uh, special edition episode, and I, I'm assuming you just watched the theatrical cut. Oops. Whatever. <laughs> I did. I regretted it, but eh, it doesn't matter. Like, it's not a huge deal. There's but... like what a. Tw- 12-minute difference between the two or something like that? I thought it was an eight, 17 18? or 18 Yeah, minutes. 17, 18, yeah. Um, it's not a whole lot. No, it isn't. It isn't. And uh, comparing the two, like, I was reading through your notes afterwards and looking online to see what some of the differences mm-hmm. were. It's not, like, the huge. It's not a huge thing. The biggest scene that was cut is the one where um, they tell Ripley what happened to her daughter. Um, yeah, I mean, that was definitely noticeable because the entire time, like... I'm pretty sure I, I I know I've seen the extended cut mm-hmm. at some point in time, but it has been so long, uh, and the only thing that I remembered were the sentry guns, which are absent in the theatrical cut. Oh, they are. Yeah, they it's are been not... forever since I've seen the theatrical cut. So, so I like no, no the the theatrical cut. Well, I'll point out the differences okay, as yeah. we get there, but the theatrical cut does not have the sentry gun scene. So that's when I noticed. I was like, wait a minute, this is not the right thing. But I also noticed like during the entire time, it's like wow, Ripley apparently like. She doesn't say a, a damn thing about her daughter in the, right. in the theatrical cut. And so watching it, it's just like, oh, you know, hindsight, I guess alien isolation took liberties. And then, of course, no, no, it was... Yeah, the I think the extended cut is like the canon edition. It's the one that they go off of. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. Yeah. And honestly, the, the cut scenes do not change the movie. It just adds to the movie. Well, it... Like, it kind of changes Ripley and Newt's relationship. Well, it makes it more important. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But, but I mean, if you watch the theatrical cut, it is still the same kind of mother-daughter relationship well, that she has. It just doesn't have the same weight because you don't right. know about Amy. Right. 
Um, but other than that, like, the theatrical cut does not change the canon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Way. So, um, but uh, I do kind of re- regret it. But at the same time, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. I was kind of wondering if this would be one where we watch different cuts of the movie and how... Because we've done that on a couple other occasions, too. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, it, it, I think it's more fascinating, for sure. Yeah, I like yeah. I like seeing the differences, but... Um, I want to watch a movie sometime where we do have two, like, drastically different cuts to the movie. Not just, oh, this is stuff that wasn't in the theatrical edition. Right. But, but like, it's completely different. Right. Kind of like um, Return of Godzilla vs. Godzilla next Exactly, exactly. Only, only instead of one person watching both cuts. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, Like, if we ever decided to do Blade Runner or something, like, that would be one where there's, like, a ton of different cuts of that movie. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. I don't know you, what so. we'd actually do for that movie. No, but. that... I, I think it's a good example and nothing more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll just have to keep an eye out in the future. But we, we kind of touched on that here. We'll see how it works yeah. out. But, um, so yeah, I mean, what? this is another tricky one, though, because it's like, what more can be said that hasn't been said already? Yeah, so. this it's another one where it's like, you have probably watched this movie. Uh, it is what is called the more actionized sequel to Alien, although it is, I think it's still very much a horror movie. It is. Uh, I can definitely see where the action comes from, although yeah. I will say that from my memory, um, the theatrical cut is definitely a little bit more of a horror than the extended cut. There's still a lot of, like, very suspenseful and tense moments in the the special Oh, absolutely. Cut. Um I, w- I would say that the while well, the original is just a straight-up sci-fi horror, this is a sci-fi horror slash action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, but I mean, this movie is the most quotable of the franchise. Uh, everybody, yeah. quotes, everybody quotes this movie, whether they are aware of it or not. There's so many iconic lines in this movie. Most Cameron, of them Bill Paxton's. <laughs> most of them Bill Paxton's, yes. Uh, but, I mean, Newt gets a couple of really good lines. Ripley gets several. She, Newt gets a couple. Uh, Newt gets one really good line that she, uh, the actress Just says that she still is teased to this day yeah. about. <laughs> it's really funny because I watched this on uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. And um, when you pause it, they bring up the little bar that's like, here's all the people in this scene. And every time Newt was on screen, it had her actress and all the other actors from that scene. Everyone else looks pretty much how they look in the movie, except a little older. Since she's completely grown up in like the 40 years since, like 30 years since that came out, it's like, oh no, she's a completely different person. Right. <laughs> yeah. I did a little bit of, like, I don't normally, I don't normally do my IMDb, IMDb dive on movies that you cover. Uh-huh. But uh, this time I did a little bit and I noticed. Oh, there's there's just a lot of stuff for this movie. There, There is, there is. But uh, I also noticed that the actress who plays Newt has done exactly has has acted in exactly two movies. This one and one other. That's nice. It. She's done a lot of other stuff. I didn't bother looking mm-hmm. into it, but um, but I thought that was interesting. But but yeah, no, very quotable movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, yep. What what can be said? So and I mean, this is another Lance Hendrickson joint. <laughs> yes, it is. So our unofficial mascot of the podcast, Lance so, Hendrickson, makes yep. another appearance. Obviously, I mean that that was that could have been the free space of the Creature Crunch. Um, yeah, the Creature Crunch uh, bingo card, but um, but uh, but yeah, we got uh, we got Lance Hendrickson. You can mark that one off. Yep, of yep. course. Uh, we do have child death, although none of it is shown on camera. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, I don't know if that counts. I think it does. Okay. Because there are, there are child characters, and they, they do die in the course of the movie. It's just not show does not show them being killed. Fair. But they, fair. they are dead. Unless you watch the theatrical cut. Oh, really? There are no children in the theatrical cut other than Newt. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. No, no that, oh, okay. that scene That's is not a big in change, there. But, um, uh, monsters do get lit on fire. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. That's uh, check mark there. 
The monster does not pick up a gun at any point. Uh, that's too bad. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, God, we're going to have to come up with a list eventually. <laughs> yeah, of things that just keep showing up. Reoccurring creature crunch themes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, all right. Well, um, you ready to jump in, Chris? I fucking guess so. Right. Uh, so, yeah, we start with our um, title segment on this one, which is reminiscent of the one from the first movie, except instead of each segment of the letter appearing slowly out of the black aether this one is like a reception on a tv or something that slowly comes into focus while we are bombarded with the eight million members of the cast of this movie (laughs) um especially sigourney weaver and everyone else (laughs) she definitely gets top billing in this movie yeah and yeah yeah, it there was a lot of there were a lot of uh, behind the scenes things. Regarding yes, there her. was. Yeah. So this this is one of those movies that almost didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. For I mean, a lot like, of reasons. I don't know if you're going to touch up on them, but like I was reading that for uh, it, a lot of Sigourney Weaver, like Sigourney, did not want to do another no, Alien movie. No. She thought that that it would cheapen the movie, it would cheapen the character, yeah. and it wasn't until James Cameron like got a hold of her and showed her the script and talked to her one-on-one that she was uh-huh. finally like, okay, you're doing the character justice. Yeah. I will come back. Yeah. Uh, but she also had a lot of notes and uh, input on how the character should act and behave and react. And uh, mm-hmm. in addition to a bunch of other things that she had input on, but uh, James Cameron very much took a lot of them to heart and, yeah. you know, incorporated and it in the you, movie. You can so. definitely tell that Sigourney Weaver is a little more comfortable in front of the camera in this movie yeah. than in the first one. I mean, she's good in the first one. Like, she's no, fantastic. But... but you can tell that she was coming from stage, not right. from screen. Right. And this one, she's had a bit more act like screen chops, and it, it definitely shows. Right, right. And can I say, like, I don't know if... I'm, I'm sure it's been talked about to death before, but I don't think we ever mentioned, but uh, Ripley as a character is so incredible. She's awesome. Um, I love Ripley. And my favorite thing about her is her just don't give a shit. This needs to get done. Attitude. Uh-huh. Like some of the more, the better lines in this movie is like when, when Burke is like arguing, like, you know, this is an expensive facility. We can't blow it up. And she's yeah. like, then fucking bill me. Yeah. Like, I, Oh my God. I yeah, love yeah. that. Um, she is done with Burke from like the first scene that they appear. Right? No, Ripley is my spirit animal. She like, is so great. <laughs> I love her. She's just she's incredible. And, and Sigourney Weaver brings it out full uh-huh. force, and I love it. And this is definitely her best performance as Ripley. It's so good. It's so good. Um, but yeah, she's she's definitely great. Uh, and I'm glad that that this movie was made. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Um, so we open on a spaceship headed towards the camera, uh, which is the escape pod from the first movie. Everything inside is, com- is like frosted over cause it's been very cold. Well, it's, um, it's space. It's space. Space, space, space is not known for its yeah. warmth. And then a salvage ship picks up Ripley's pod. Uh, they, a probe cuts open the door and starts looking inside and they find Ripley's cryopod with her and Jonesy in it. Ripley wakes up in a hospital, um, and it turns out she has been out for 57 years. Which is uh, kind of a shock to her. Yeah, yeah. She's staggered by this. Yeah. And while uh, a man from the company, uh, Burke, <laughs> talks to her about what's been, what happened, she has a catapult nightmare of a chestburster popping out of her. And then she wakes up back in her hospital room. Yeah, she's she's right there. Yeah. And while I was watching this scene, like, she's holding Jonesy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I realized that now that Disney owns the rights to Alien, 
there is a non-zero chance that we are going to get a spinoff about Jonesy, about what happened to him after this movie. <laughs> like a series of Jonesy sure. shorts. <laughs> yeah, like the, the I Am Groot kind of style. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like Jonesy's Space Adventures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'm on board for that I, or not. Like, I don't know. I know that they are working on the Alien series that's going to be on Hulu. Um, that's coming out here within the next year or so. I'm going to wait to pass judgment until I see that. Right. I've read the new comics. They're not bad. That's good. They're they're perfectly acceptable. There's a few weird things that they do with like the <laughs> the plot of the story and but I mean they they take it in I'm, some cool let me, environments. Let me ask and, you this. Weirder than the actual movies take it? Um <laughs> I think the comics like the only for sure canon movies are Alien and Aliens. I don't think they brought any. Maybe Alien Three. I don't know. I don't think. I think that's far enough in the future that it hasn't happened yet. In fact, maybe only the first one. Now that I'm thinking about it, because they haven't but, brought anything from Prometheus or Covenant. Sure. And like Alien Three and Resurrection are far enough in the future that they haven't, they haven't been referenced. Happened. Yeah. Right. Right. And Ripley's not in it at all. There's no. Sure. There's no characters from the movies in there other than the Xenomorph. Okay. So it's really taking... Wait, no, there, there is a bishop. A bishop. It's okay. not this bishop. It's just a different bishop. It's a, it's a different bishop, yeah. Uh, okay. We cut to Ripley sitting in, like, a virtual park, <laughs> I guess you might say. Like, there's a screen on the... This is something from the special edition. I was going to say, this is not yeah, in yeah, the yeah. theatrical cut, so there's, I don't know what this is. She's sitting on, like, a bench with plants around her. And it's showing scenes from a park on the wall, and you hear bird call and stuff. And then the screen on the wall turns off, and she's still inside of the, the hospital ship. Okay. Burke comes in and start, and tells her about what happened to her daughter, that she grew old and died two years before they wrote, woke Ripley up. Okay, yeah. So he, he neglected to mention any of uh, her uh, yeah. tribulations. In, in, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on, uh, oh God, what's that ship called? Um, I can't remember what it's called. Crap. The Alien Isolation Ship. Yeah, yeah. That game is a good game. It's anyway. a very good game, yeah. <laughs> and I guess they're doing a like sort of sequel to it. Oh, cool. That's cool. I'm, I'm down for that. Yeah. Um, they or Burke tells Ripley that she's going to have to give a disposition to the company about the events of the first movie and like what happened to the Nostromo and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's in this in the theatrical cut to an extent. So. Yeah, yeah. So we cut to like a board beating I guess with like Wayland Utani people and Comrus Collective people and a whole bunch of big space guys um, Ripley tells the story of what happened with the Nostromo um, and the company tries to pin the destruction of the ship directly on her since she activated the destruction sequence right yeah they they um they very much have this, like, we don't believe you kind of attitude. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? You destroyed this because something happened. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, all they were basically saying, like, all we know is you stopped at this planet, this. And we don't know why. Yeah, for, for an, un, uh, an unauthorized reason. Mm -hmm. And then came back, and then you blew up the ship. That's all we know. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, in retrospect, we, we now definitely know that, no, they. they they knew that, but were, this is just a ploy to pin this on At her. least Burke knew. Yeah. If nothing else. And probably the other company. Oh, I imagine the whole the company itself knew, but... 
is Waylon Yutani actually mentioned by name in this movie at all in the theater? Uh, the, I don't uh, think any characters say the name of the company, but the logo shows up on a lot of different things, and you see the, the name Waylon Yutani on stuff. Okay, because uh, I, I knew that, it, at least in the theatrical cut, it's always just referred to as, as the, the company. company yeah, still, yeah. So I was just wondering. But no, you see the WY logo. There's a brief commercial where it says, Waylon Yutani, building better worlds and stuff like that. I don't think that's in the theatrical. Yeah. I don't remember that. But anyway... Uh, as a result of the meeting, um, Ripley's pilot's license is revoked, but they don't file charges against her pending uh, peri- periodic psychi- psychiatric evaluations. Yep. Yeah. That's cut from the uh, theatrical oh, okay. version as well. I mean, it, it, it's, I think it's just cut for time because later they, like the scene with Burke enticing Ripley with yeah. reinstating her okay. licenses. I was wondering there. if that was there. It's there, okay. but the, just her, the, the act of her getting de, like getting revoked or demoted in, in as the uh, internet puts it, um, is not in the theatrical release. Right. So. Uh, on the way out of the meeting, uh, Ripley grabs the representative from Wayland Dutani, uh, like telling him like, check out, like check out what's on that planet. If you don't believe me, like, What's been going on? Yeah. And she discovers that LV-426 has been colonized for 20 years at this point. Right. Which is a shock uh, because the uh, <laughs> the corporate stooge is like, yeah, they've not had any issues. So this is poking, you know, yeah, this yeah. Is poking morals in your story. And of course to her, it's, oh shit, those people are in danger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we immediately cut to uh, the colony Hadley's Hope. Which is not in the theatrical release. This entire scene is? This is not in Oh, it. wow. Not, not, okay. Not even a little bit. It goes it goes from this directly to Ripley uh, that in certain the... amount of time later in her apartment. Oh, wow. Okay. It, it, yeah. So this the all of the scenes on Hadley's Hope are not in the theatrical release okay. at all. Well, this is, in, in this scene here, um, we find out that a uh, family of surveyors, which is Newt's family... Um, were sent out by the company to find something and they discovered something incidentally and want to know if they have claim to it. So it's kind of like what happened in the first movie with the Nostromo landing and being like, oh, we found some salvage. Is this ours or is it the company's? Like, who does this belong to? And it turns out to kill everybody. Right. Well, it's the same ship from the first movie, um, which we do not see yet, but... Um, we find a bunch of kids playing around in like the guts of the colony and they get yelled at like they're not supposed to be down here kind of showing like the dangers of the inner workings of this colony that'll later come back in the later scenes with Ripley and the Marines Um, we see the surveyors Newt's family approaching in a in like a little rover the uh, engineer ship from the first movie so we immediately know that they are completely boned. Like these people are toast. Right. That um, that dramatic irony where the audience knows that exactly. Shit's about like to as go soon down. as you see it, it's like, oh shit, oh yeah. man. Okay. Uh, Mom and Dad head into the ship while Newt and her brother stay in the rover. Uh, Newt and her brother just talk for a bit, and uh, then Mom busts open into the rover because Dad has been face hugged. Oh man. Yeah. Just like Kane from the first movie. Yeah. I assume it was a very similar situation where he found an egg. was like, oh, what's that? And like, <laughs> leered <laughs> over it. He just bobbed for apples into it. <laughs> right. But yeah, no, none of this is in the theatrical. Okay. Not yeah, even yeah. a little bit. Like, it's mentioned a little bit. Um, because, like, Burke explains Ripley the situation. 
and then later on, Newt does talk about her parents and brother. But, right. Uh, f- as far as them being essentially patient zero, like, that is not... Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, no, that's... Them, that is... It makes Newt's entire thing, like, so much worse, because, right. like, she literally saw what happened to her parents. Yeah. Instead of them just being like, oh, they were casualties in, in this... the event, right. they caused the event. Yeah, in that's... A way. that's uh... Under orders from Wayland yutani but... Well, of course. As usual. Yeah. So this cuts back to uh, the, the space station where Burke and Gorman, uh, a colonial marine, talk to Ripley about the colony. Um, something's happened. They want Ripley to go along as an expert. And if she goes, she'll get her pilot's license reinstated. Yep. Yeah, like I said, that part's in. The... Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Burke is going as a representative of the company. Ripley is just like, no, fuck this. I, th- I'm not going back in this situation. You can't make me go back mm-hmm. to this. And Burke's like, I, you, you're having daily nightmares. You're waking up in a cold sweat every night. You're not sleeping. You're working a shitty dead-end job in this terrible space station. If you do this, we can, we, you can put this behind you, and we can get you ahead in life. Like, he's saying all the right words. Right. Yeah, he, he's, he convinces her despite her better judgment. Yeah. And you can tell, like, she's, uh, she, she knows. She's like... No way. Absolutely yeah. no way. And But then he, he does kind of convince her. Yeah. He gives her his uh, transparent business card. <laughs> that also works as a phone card, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the future. Yeah. Ripley has another nightmare, and it, finally that is like the breaking point for her, and she calls up Burke, makes him tell her that they're not going there to capture anything. Uh, they're going there to completely exterminate this, this menace. Like, yeah. If they're going to be wiped out, we're not going for company research procedures or anything like that. This is a destruction mission. Yeah, a rescue and destruction. Right. And yeah. Burke's like, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. And she's like, okay. And Yeah, and then I think it's more of like, okay, I'm going to go just to make sure that happens. Right. <laughs> uh, we say goodbye to Jonesy. Bye, Jonesy. We'll see you in your series, in your spinoff series, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> You're unlikely, but still possible. Yeah. <laughs> series. Yeah. Uh, and then we see our first look at uh, our new big ship in this movie, the Solanco. Which is not featured a huge amount in the movie, but... Uh, it's not, but we see enough of it to contrast with the Nostromo from the first movie. Okay, just to kind of show that this is the big stuff and, and the high-tech things. <coughs> the, the, the Nostromo was the dump truck. <laughs> the, yeah, the Nostromo is literally a space dump truck, and the Solanco is like... a. It's not a sleek ship by any stretch of the imagination. It's still very blocky-looking. And it looks kind of like a gun. Yeah, I was going to say, it looks very militarized. Right, right. It looks it looks like what it's supposed to be. Where the... <laughs> Nishrama was a big square truck. <laughs> yeah, or... It had, like, weird towers. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was a weird... Yeah, yeah it was anyway. a weirdo. Uh, we zoom through the dock of the ship, where we see several landers and other heavy equipment. Not, it's... not featured in the theater. Okay, yeah. We, we get a pretty long shot of the inside of the Solanco. Okay, so yeah, I no, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's super quiet. Um, I don't know if they're trying to like make it look like this is a ship that the aliens have attacked or or what. It's really weird. It's just a long, completely quiet like <laughs> scene of the inside of the ship. Huh. Uh, everyone is in cryo, which I'm sure Ripley was super thrilled about going back into. Oh yeah, well, I mean, in in space movies like this, it's just a fact of life yeah, I, so i mean i imagine that it's not that big of a deal for people in this world but at the same time the last time she was in cryo she was in there for 57 years right 
So she couldn't have been super excited about yeah. that. Uh, all of the Marines plus Ripley and Burke wake up. Uh, the Marines Marine around. Boy, do they. Uh, we get... Like, already this movie has a much bigger cast than the first movie, which had, like, seven people or so. Yeah, no, it, this is a substantial crew, or yeah. at least a core cast. Like, I don't... Right. I don't know if there are any other crew members other than these Marines, Burke, and, like... And Ripley I don't and, know if we see any, like, techs working on the ship or not. It's... No, it's kind of a bare bones. Yeah, I don't think so. I think they're all just Marines, but yeah. Um, I also had the note later on that these Marines evidently hate being Marines. It's really funny because they're complaining like the entire time they're waking up about how they don't want to be doing this. Yeah, like I imagine it was like, okay, this is the shit job that they didn't want right, to do. Yeah. But at the same time, it just comes across like, wow, why did you guys sign up at all? Like, they're constantly bitching about being Marines. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's like, this isn't going to be like a stand-up fight. Yeah. It's it if anything it's going to be like guerrilla fighting. A lot of this movie is a reaction to Vietnam. Okay. And that, that would make sense. Yeah, and that's what I'll, like down to like the the Marines and the way they act, the way they all kind of banter with each other is how some like units in Vietnam would do that. Sure, sure. The way they decorate their weapons yeah, and I knew, I knew the, that part. the ships and stuff like that. Um, the guy who plays uh, Epion is a Vietnam vet. Opponent. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, uh, Matthew Al. Yes, his name is Matthew Al. Yeah, yeah. He was a he was the first um, black marine right. to be promoted to the rank of sergeant. Right in Vietnam, and he plays a sergeant. Yeah. in this. So, and he is the like textbook for every movie and video game sergeant. Ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, they're, they could all trace back to this dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, he's a good character. He really is, yeah. And I mean, while while these guys are very gripey, and they definitely have that banter of, like, ah, oh, we're tough guys and don't give no shits. Right. Um, they are all relatively likable. Yeah. Except for maybe Bill Baxson's character, because he is, his character is the whiniest of them all. Well, <laughs> he's supposed to be. Like, he's supposed yeah. to be, like, the... At the start, he's like, another one of, like, oh, we're so tough and everything like that. And then you watch him completely disintegrate. Right, right. Um, we get another reference to another alien species here, the Arcturians. Yeah. So when they were like, when they were talking about him, it didn't really register to me at all. It just uh, kind of sounded like they were talking about another, another planet. Uh, well, not even another planet. Oh. Like it just, like it was just oh, well, like another colony, like another oh, yeah, human yeah. colony or something. And it wasn't until I read your note here. Uh-huh. And then of course they had the, they had a line like towards the end of the conversation where it was like, wait a minute. Yeah, um, the, they, this has been expounded upon in other supplemental material, most recently, I think, in the role-playing game, although I still haven't read that a year later. Um, the Arcturians are gender-fluid aliens who are sexually compatible with humanity. Uh, they were discovered discovered by the Wayland yutani Company and are under the protection of the company uh, so that no one exploits them uh, and yeah it's they're they're being exploited by the Wayland well, yeah, yeah no that's how that works yes exactly <laughs> so it yeah it's it's another sentient race in the galaxy potentially the only one we found yeah well I because I was wondering watching this that um up until this point like and even if you remove this little this little bit 
it, it, I couldn't help but wonder. It's like, in this universe, are is alien life still unknown? Um, like, is are the xenomorphs the first things that they humanity has found? Um, and honestly, the fact that the Arcturians exist makes me a little sad. Because I think it's a lot more interesting and a lot more existentially horrific uh-huh. if... The like, only other... The, oh, yeah, yeah, like, the, that the first alien life forms that humanity has come across are these aliens. Yeah, that, like, yeah. like, that makes it a lot more mysterious and and terrifying to me. Yeah. But because of the fact that they have these Arcturians and therefore, you know, like, sentient life or other life in the planet in the universe is kind of... An, accepted known yeah it, it reduces that a little bit for me it, it is um like going into the the expanded material like the arcturians are only found on one world they don't have they haven't expanded beyond their world. sure sure and they're a very small population okay so it's kind of like we went to a country and found native people yeah and begin doing what we normally do with native people when we Yutani is white people I yes get it. Yeah. yeah no absolutely uh, so the Marines pressure uh, Bishop into playing Five Finger Filet, which he does using Hudson Sand <laughs> yeah. on his on his own. Which, from what I was reading, it was um, was Lance Henriksen's idea. Yeah, like originally it was just supposed to be Lance Henriksen doing it, but uh, they decided no. Like it would be really funny if we had somebody else's hand on top of mine yeah. while we played it. And uh, they decided it was going to be Bill Paxton's character, and evidently they didn't tell Bill Paxton. There's a lot of like enforced method acting in this yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> so they did it, and apparently, like they had to they had to do a reshoot of the scene. Um, and in the second reshoot, they accidentally did cut Bill Paxton's finger. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> but Bill Paxton makes some great facial expressions in this movie, and this is one of them right here. Yeah, him him mugging for the camera and screaming while they're yeah. doing it is pretty incredible. <laughs> I miss Bill Paxton a lot. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was a treasure. He was. Uh, Bishop goes to eat with Ripley, Burke, and Gorman, even though he doesn't actually eat because he is a synthetic. Yep. Uh, it turns out that he has cut his hand from the knife play and is gushing milk. Yep, because uh, apparently 57 years of, of technological advances did not discover any better things to fill androids with than milk. Right, yeah. <laughs> But Ripley kind of freaks out because her last interaction with the synthetic was Ash in the first movie. It wasn't great. It didn't go well for anybody. <laughs> no, and I can tell you that after playing Alien Isolation, I, I, I get you. I yeah. get you, Ripley. You don't trust them synthetic bastards. <laughs> no. It's really funny because I kept thinking, like, it makes... Like, I know that the idea behind the synthetics in Isolation is that they're supposed to be cheapo models, which is why they don't look human. Uh-huh. It makes so much more sense to make them look like that, though. That way you know who's the synthetic. Uh-huh. It's the Blade Runner thing again. <laughs> right. No, it, it's pretty good. Um, but, I mean, also at the same time, James Cameron wanted the audience to question whether Bishop was good or bad the entire movie. Exactly, exactly. They wanted you to be in the same shoes as Ripley. Um, in fact, from what I was reading, uh, Lance Henriksen had the idea of getting these special contacts mm-hmm. that made his eyes look kind of creepy and mm-hmm. inhuman um and he even brought him to set but uh, i guess uh because lance henriksen has just kind of a natural unsettling yeah. look about him uh james cameron's like no 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 we don't we're good we, we're good just you can just keep doing that yeah <laughs> i'm not doing anything yeah your whole situation here. yeah because <laughs> this this whole the zone here is just <laughs> you're you live in the uncanny valley mr henriksen just stay there for us but, like that that's what makes bishop such an amazing character yeah yeah because 
he does have that look about him and you don't trust him the entire movie and then it turns out he's an amazing guy <laughs> he really is yeah it like through the 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 canon movies we have ash in the first movie bishop in this one i don't think there's a synthetic in three it's been a long time since i've seen three uh bishop is in it technically he's technically in it but not for very long well, i mean his they have his disembodied he's in it longer than everybody else but, it's, yeah but no but no i don't i don't think there's a synthetic in three and, and then there's call and resurrection see i don't remember anything from Resurrection. Uh, call is the winona writer character oh and she's a synthetic okay, but she's so, like a new synthetic sure, three because sure. it's like 300 years in the, in the future future. Right. And it, it, I only watched that movie once when it first released on DVD. So yeah, yeah. I have I don't remember shit from it other than and the then weird, some of the weird stuff. Yeah. And then we have David in Prometheus and Covenant. Covenant. Right, right. So of the five synthetics well, that we have. Well, David and. Because there was a... Wasn't there was another one in... in I know there wasn't... There there's was David and other David. Yeah, I don't remember... But okay, anyway. Yeah, but of, of the five of synthetics, the five six, yeah. we, we know three of them are very or two of them, excuse me, are very good people because uh-huh. we've got Bishop and Call, very uh-huh. good people. And then we've got Ash and David and they and David and they suck. <laughs> well, other David was okay, yeah, I thought. Yeah, he was mostly okay. But yeah. No, he he it, still like had weird like flute sex with other David. Man, it's been a bit since I've seen that movie too, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I mean, no, you're right, you're right. The track record on, on synthetics ain't good. No, it's not very good and they're always going to be loyal to the company over other people, uh-huh. mostly, except for Bishop here. Mm-hmm. Because Bishop was programmed correctly. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> and he even, like, draws attention to, like, Asimov's Three Laws of Robotics here. Right. Where he says that he cannot harm a human or, through his own inaction, allow a human to be harmed. Right. Of course, Ripley doesn't trust him because that could have been a bullface lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ash was really good at lying, so... He was, yes. <laughs> And then he started leaking milk everywhere and freaked. <laughs> yeah, he did. He had a he, real quick meltdown. Yeah, he did. He tried to he tried to kill Ripley with a rolled up newspaper <laughs> or a rolled up magazine in yeah. your mouth. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's in our stat block in the uh, Critter Kibbles. Oh, by the way, that's God, just a quick sure plug. <laughs> Both Ash and the magazine. <laughs> the ma- <laughs> we gave we gave our Android synthetic creature in our kibbles a magazine roll up roll up magazine yeah. attack <laughs> yeah. we we did it we did it give us five dollars please <laughs> oh man <laughs> for just for just five dollars a month you too can have a, a catalog of great stat blocks including a synthetic that attacks with a rolled up magazine <laughs> and a truck <laughs> <laughs> and uh and a uh, uh john voigt john voigt's performance in anaconda yeah and so many clowns all right quick plug gun okay. <laughs> shameless shameless self-promotion We're, yeah. we can move on uh we cut to gorman giving a briefing to the marines and this is where he drops the name xenomorph all we know is that there's still no contact with the colony and that a xenomorph may be involved yeah which twice. is which is where the species would forever be called, even though Xenomorph literally just means alien body. Yeah. Yeah, they don't... It's not like they've identified these things as Xenomorphs. In the movie, it's just a catch-all term for yeah. aliens. Yeah, yeah. It just means this is some sort of creature we... we don't, an, an unknown creature. Unknown right, body. right. It's, it's almost like UFO is synonymous with spaceship, even though it just means it's a flying object that is unidentified. Yeah, yeah. So, Which is why a lot of people were very disappointed in that, like... 
UFO footage and documents that were uncovered a few years ago. Because it's like, okay, it's we saw something. It's probably a bug. <laughs> but we can't for sure say it was a bug. Yeah. But it was a bug. It was it was flying, and we couldn't identify it. Exactly. It was an identified, unidentified flying object. That doesn't we, mean aliens. Yeah, we identified it later. <laughs> or we have pretty good guesses about what it is, but... Right, right. Yeah. But anyway. Um, Ripley gives her, like, third description of what happened in the first movie. <laughs> telling everyone about what happened with Kane and all that fun stuff. Uh, we get Hudson... Although, I, I, do, I will say that, like, um, I know there's a lot of contention... I don't think it's quite a, a debated topic or anything, but there's a lot of like split decision, uh, split perceptions of recapping events that the that the audience already right. knows. Um, and I want to say for one, I'm the type of person that adores that shit. Like I, I love hearing about the things that happened in the past, even though I watched them. I'm okay with it as long as it doesn't take up a huge amount of time. Right, right. Or if it's overplayed. And in Ripley's case, and in this movie. Um, every time she retells the story, she focuses in on different parts. Exactly, exactly. And that's what kind of makes it okay. Like, when she's talking with the board, she's really focusing on why the Nostromo had to explode. Uh-huh. And on this one, she's more focusing on what happened to Kane. Right. And, like, why you these Marines need to watch the fuck out. Right. So And they, they just kind of blow her off. Um, Hudson makes a illegal alien joke to, uh, to Vasquez. Oops. Uh, that actually has a reference to something that happened behind the scenes of the movie. Oh, really? I didn't... Okay, I yeah. didn't hear about this. Because when... Um, oh, what is the actress's name? I can't remember. Vasquez's? Yeah. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein. Jeanette Goldstein. She is uh, Brazilian. And when she showed up to the casting for the movie, she decided to dress up. And when she saw the word alien, she thought it was like a... Oh, no. A movie about, like, migrants. Oh, no. <laughs> so she dressed up as a migrant worker. Oh. And luckily she was good enough anyway that they gave her the role. Right. But it would kind of became, like, a running joke in between her and some of the other cast members. Okay. So it sounds like this is a crazy, insensitive joke, and it is. It is, but, but, it, it, but it's not It's not as mean-spirited as it comes be, across. Because the actor is in on the joke. Right. Okay. I mean, yeah, the joke does not... It's still not a good joke. No. It should have been removed, but... And I, I, it does make me wonder, like, is that still a thing this far in the future? Dude, Do, that's going to be a thing. Uh, yeah, I know, but it seems like something that... They, like, they, if Wayland Yutani has bought all of America and Japan <laughs> and everything, is that something you really have to worry about? <laughs> well, we already discussed that Wayland Yutani is white people. Ex so I, I want to say, yes, this is God, something that, that they sucks. very much have to worry about. Yeah. Wayland Yutani are the villains. There's a parallel here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we see military guys doing military things, locking and loading, getting stuff ready. Hoo-ha! Hoo-ha! Hoo-ha. Uh, and then we see that Ripley can use the power loader, the big forklift armor thing. Yep. She 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 knows how to do it. Yeah, because that was her job on the space station uh, before she left to try and get her pilot's license back. Yep. Is that she, she loaded cargo with one of these big forklifts. Mm -hmm. um, a couple notes on this, too, um, and in, on this, the effects in general. Uh, I was reading that... Uh, that the forklifts were, the, the effects on the forklifts were mm -hmm. done with basically a man in a suit. Right. Behind Ripley to help operate yeah, the arms yeah. and stuff. Um, and then there was also a little bit of stop motion and, yeah. uh, you can, and set work. You, you can kind of see can it. You can tell. But uh, evidently the, uh, at the time the effects were so good that there were um, companies 
actually asking yes, I for heard these about things. That. Yeah, because um, they also, thought they had one. <laughs> right, yeah. They were like, oh, wow, that would be really good. Can we get one? And they're like, no. It doesn't, it doesn't exist, e- my dude. It doesn't exist. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment, though. Yeah. And evidently, um, the, uh, the same, a very similar thing happened when they first showed the first screenings to some of the, uh, the money men. Uh, mm-hmm. behind the movie when they were showing us the money men started getting really pissed off because they were like oh my god you blew all of the money on all these elaborate set designs and things uh-huh. and the special effects crew were like um actually they're we, this big yeah actually we <laughs> didn't those are models and yeah. camera trickery that's awesome that we tricked you yeah that's super cool <laughs> the miniature work in this movie is fantastic it is incredible like the only part where i have any complaint about it is in the one scene where Ripley is fighting the alien queen at the end of the movie when uh-huh. she's in the power loader. There's a scene where she is very clearly an action figure. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you got sometimes you just be an action figure. Cause... It literally looks like they got the Kenner like <laughs> aliens R- Ellen Ripley action figure stuck in a power loader and dropped it on the queen. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and it's just a split second, but it's like that's a fucking action figure. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Also, I guess. Uh, H.R. Uh, Geiger was not, of course, brought in for this movie, right? Uh, because James Cameron was afraid to work with the man. He was just like, no, he. I think he's going to be too controlling and too difficult yeah. to work with. And I guess Giger later on was like, kind of sad that he didn't get brought on, but right. he also paid respects. He's like, no, it, it is a really good. Yeah, <laughs> they did and a good job. So. They they did a very good evolution of uh, Giger's designs from the first movie. Yeah. And they still referenced a lot of his paintings and stuff like that, especially with, like, the alien hive work and stuff like that. Right. Which is an expansion of, like, the engineer ship from the first movie. Uh, The xenomorphs themselves look different. They've got ridged heads instead of the completely smooth dome that the xenomorph from the first movie had. Right. Um, Which, in turn, has kind of led to speculation about why these xenomorphs look different from the other one. There is a lot of discussion about the lifespan and, like, mutations of the Xenomorph. Right. Especially, uh, once again, with the RPG. They have done exceptional work about why each alien looks different, what their role is in a hive, um, what they're like if they're not in a hive like the first one. It is incredible. Wow, I'm, I'm actually going to have to check this I, RPG I've out, too. I've got a copy of it. I just need to fucking read it sometime. <laughs> I would love to get my hands on that if you wouldn't mind. Uh, is it a physical copy or is it a digital it's a, copy? It's a digital copy. Okay. I want to get a physical at some point. Okay, but... yeah. I'll have to, I might have to track this down because this sounds fascinating. It, and it's a great game too. That's cool. Which we, is we might even have to, better. <laughs> we, we might have to do something with that. Yeah. So. I mean, that's kind of our shtick. Especially in this, regarding this podcast. Anyway. It would be very hard to make the aliens in the alien RPG well, though because not... they're already there. <laughs> I'm not talking about, Yeah. We don't have to, though, because we're already doing the aliens. Oh, movie. yes. Okay. okay so. uh, the Marines prepare to load up and land, and we learn that Gorman, even though he's in control of this mission, is still very green. You don't say. <laughs> he's been through a lot of virtual training missions. This is only his second actual landing. Yeah. He's about to throw up. Like <laughs> Hudson shows off all of the cool weapons that they have. To, like, let the audience know how completely prepared and ready for anything the Marines are. That they're ready to go for what's what's about to happen to them. They're so awesome. Yeah. Aren't they? They're, they're so cool and ready for anything. They will not have a problem. Nope, not at all. Um, they do a flyover of the colony. It's very quiet, but the power is still on. 
And that's something that just, they just keep going back to is how quiet it is. There should be people everywhere working on everything, and there's nobody, but the power is still on. So it's really weird. It's abandoned city kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, the Marines start fanning out through the colony. We see signs of a fight where there's been small arms fire, a few explosions from satchel charges, barricades being made. See, most of this was not in the theatrical release. Oh, really? Okay. Unless I just blinked and missed it. But um, I don't remember them talking about or pointing out, like, signs of a fire. Oh, yeah. No, they, they very much, like, point to different things. Like, okay, there's been small arms fire here. There's been explosions in this area. They tried to shape this hallway so that it would collapse. Yeah, and... no, that's definitely not in the theatrical. Okay, yeah. It, it very much, like, points out that these people were completely unprepared for what happened, but they still tried to put up a fight. Right. They didn't just get massacred. Right. And and honestly, I kind of, um, and maybe it could be just because I've been kind of on a true crime story kick lately, but uh, I kind of wish that was in the theatrical part because find, like seeing the evidence and trying to put yeah. together this picture of what happened is a very interesting and terrifying like idea. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, we, we don't get that in the theatrical. Okay. But... Hicks is using a motion scanner throughout the entire facility to try and kind of pinpoint if there's anything going on and there's no movement at all. He finally gets a ping on something, so they go in and prepare to blast it and it turns out it's a little gerbil running around inside of a habitat. I hope that gerbil got pretty good um, got paid pretty well because his scene was absolutely cut from the theatrical release. Oh really? Yeah, that was okay. Well he, the gerbil does not get any lion, so he didn't get his SAG card. That's that's too bad. Justice for gerbil. Justice Hashtag, for gerbil. Hashtag justice for gerbil. Yeah. Although, no, that gerbil is very dead. Because he, they didn't take him with them, and then the colony exploded at the end of the movie. That gerbil is dead. Hashtag justice for gerbil. <laughs> um, Ripley notices that there's an acid burn on one of the... the through one of the, the Marines' cameras. They track it, and it goes all the way through the colony. Like, one of the aliens got shot, and it melted all the way through, just like in the first movie. Yeah, yeah. That's in the theatrical release, and this is when you are, like... If you there were doubts before, now you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And so does Ripley. <laughs> uh, Gorman, Burke, and Ripley enter the facility, even though Ripley is still not convinced that this is even remotely secure. Yeah, I don't know why she's going then, but... <laughs> She probably didn't want to be left in the APC by herself. That's fair. <laughs> and then the Marines find a hallway where the colonists apparently had their last stand. Um, there's barricades built up that are still mostly intact. Uh, more small arms fire. A few, like, unexploded grenades, I think, and stuff like that. Just like, this is where it ended. Okay. Also cut yeah. from the theatrical. Uh, then Ripley goes into a med lab and finds specimen tubes that have face huggers in them. And two of them are still alive. Yeah. And, and those, one of them gives us a very good jump scare. Yeah, and those are really, really cool effects. They're very good, yeah. And apparently uh, required, uh, what was it, um, nine men to operate? Jesus. Because, uh, uh, how many legs do the face huggers have? Is it eight or six? It's eight. Um... Yeah, uh, they, uh, basically they had to have one person on a wire each for yeah. each one of the legs and one for the tail. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so that was a, a nine-person face hugger right there. Yeah. But it, the effect is It looks phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I just recently watched a, uh, a video about um, kind of mentioning the differences between practical and CG. Uh-huh. And, like, where practical effects, you know, 
they only have one hurdle to accomplish, and that is to convince the audience that they are a a threat. Right. Whereas CG has to convince that they are both a threat and that they are there. Yeah. And the uh, this, I think, particularly, like, when you see that face hugger move, like, there's zero question that it is there. Like, Oh, yeah, for it, sure. It is... It is such a cool effect. That yeah, that is where practical effects will always have it above CG is mm-hmm. convincing the audience of the physicality of right. what is there. Yeah, and but of course then they don't have to pay nine men to uh, to operate a single no, puppet. Instead, they pay like <laughs> they, they five under... CG artists like minimum wage. Yeah, they under, they underpay some <laughs> CG yeah. artists to uh, to work long hours to get it done. Marvel, pay your fucking FX artists. Um, the two facehuggers that survived were uh, surgically removed from hosts who died during the removal process. Mm-hmm. Which is, I mean, we, we kind of saw that in the first movie when they were trying to get it off of Kane. And they're yeah. like... It kept tightening around yeah, his neck. Yeah, like, we and, can't get it off without killing him. And when they cut it, it would bleed acid and... yeah. Mm-hmm. So it makes me wonder, like, when they say surgically removed, did that mean, does that mean they had to cut the dude's heads off? Considering the tails are intact, uh, probably either that or they just shot the person in the head, so that <laughs> surgically, surgically, yes, so that the the face hugger would let go, or like cut his throat, or like yeah, killed the the host somehow, yeah, so that the face hugger would let go, and then they just plopped it in a tube, right. And considering these tubes are filled with a liquid, we can infer that face huggers are amphibious. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that, but I guess you can, can't we? Mm-hmm. We know that they have oxygen sacs, because that's how they keep their hosts alive. Right. Is they do the breathing for them. Right. So I don't know if they just have enough oxygen to survive in that, or if they don't need oxygen at all, or if they are amphibious. That's interesting that I had never, not a, not a question that I would ever yeah. considered and poses some interesting questions. Yeah. I like that note. Um, We find more, or the... Marines scan more movement, they track it, and it turns out to be Newt, who is nearly disintegrated by gunfire. Yeah, she is. Because, uh, the, because the Marines are also susceptible to jump scares. Yes. <laughs> uh, she runs into a vent, and Ripley follows her, and she finds Newt's hiding spot, which is just completely littered with debris. She's been living like uh, an animal since this happened, however long it's been. It's kind of unclear how long th- this has been going on. Newt is completely traumatized, obviously, and they bring her back to their command center uh, while Hudson gets the systems working so that not only they have power, but they have operational systems and scanners and stuff like that. Uh, Gorman tries to get information from Newt, but it doesn't go very well (laughs) because he's a grumpy Marine person and Newt is a traumatized nine-year-old. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't doesn't have the the gentlest of touches in this. And she and finally Gorman's just like, ah, I, I'm not getting over there, like, whatever, and just walks away. Uh, Ripley bonds with Newt, and we can see her more maternal instincts coming out. Uh, she's trying to bond with Newt because she was never able to do that with her daughter, because she left her daughter when she was very young and came back after her daughter yeah, missed, was very old. Missed her entire life. Yeah, yeah. They do a scan of the entire colony, and they don't get any pickups for the colonists' locators, because they... the. Uh, Colonists have, like, locator bands so that they can be picked up wherever they are. They have surgically implanted. Oh, surgically implanted. Yeah, Yeah. okay. And, uh, yeah, they're not finding any colonists, Mm -hmm. so they're they're gone. Colonists is not here. Yeah. Uh, Ripley finally makes a breakthrough with Newt where she gets her name, but Newt is convinced that 
everyone in this facility is going to be dead pretty soon, and now that they've kind of rooted Nude out from where she is, she's going to die as well. Bishop uh, dissects a uh, facehugger and kind of begins putting theories together about how these things operate. Uh, while Hudson finds all the colonists, but it's unclear whether they are alive or not. But they're all together. They're all together, which is, is good. Good for them. <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, that should have been big red flag. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> they're probably all dead in I, a big I, pile. I think someone even makes the joke like, what are they doing having a town hall? <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, man. Uh, the Marines plus the tagalongs head to the relay station where the colonist signal is coming from. Uh, Gorman stays in the APC with Newt, Burke, and Ripley and tries to walk the Marines in, but something in the structure is messing with the signal pretty heavily. Through uh, Hudson's cam, we can see that the Xenomorphs have been transforming this place into a hive-like structure using a thick black resin-like material. And this is something that comes back through other alien movies. We didn't really see it in the first one because the only places we see are the engineer ship, and then the Nostromo, and there's only the one alien. Right, and it didn't really have time to kind of do yeah. this. So there's a little bit of that in like some of the cut material from the first movie, where the alien like uses human material to make eggs. Right, and but I mean that's that was not just cut, but also kind of retconned away. Actually, right? the opposite. Oh, it's been made canon that that is how a single lone xenomorph will replicate its species is by taking human bodies or whatever organic material it can find, forcing them into eggs, and then those manufactured eggs will hatch into a royal facehugger. Oh. And then that royal facehugger implants into somebody, just like in Alien 3, and a queen alien hatches. Okay. And then it can proceed to mass lay eggs. Right. Okay. That's interesting. It's very interesting. So like I said, the, the RPG has done exquisite work. For background. That's cool. Um, so, so the, the so this this resin material, uh -huh. it's the remains of people. No, or? it's secreted by a special cast of xenomorph. Oh, okay, like there, there's casts just like a hive of bees or a termite mound. Right, and some of them are builder xenomorphs that can secrete this material to make a hive that makes it easier for the xenomorphs to move around. They've got all their tunnels and stuff, right. and to hide. Because they blend into... They blend perfectly. Yes. In, right. Okay. That's so... Okay. Yeah. Man. The, damn it. I need to start diving down this rabbit hole. This is cool stuff. It is completely fascinating. The books are insane. <laughs> like, they there's a book series that is its own canon that takes place uh, after this movie. Okay. The third movie and beyond are non-canon to, to the this series, to particular the series of books. Right. Uh, same way with the comics, because um, Newt and Hicks are very big players <laughs> in the comics. Okay. Newt grows up to be Ripley 2.0. Mm. And I like the I like that better as an outcome for right, right for Hicks and and Newt than you know dying in between movies. <laughs> but um, yeah, and like the books especially, there's some batshit stuff that happens. Like, there's genetic experiments with the aliens to create new types of aliens. Someone makes a king alien that's, like, two times the size of a queen. Oh, my God. But is, like, super aggressive and begins murdering aliens and humans and everyone in between. And there is some bonkers shit in those books. It's great. 
this time in this movie, instead of our wet chain room, we have a wet resin hallway. <laughs> so I was very pleased to see that continue. Yeah. And Ripley notes that since this is a power station, if any of the Marines fire their weapons, this whole thing is going up. Yeah, that's a bad idea. So uh, Gorman lets uh, Epion know that he has to uh, collect the magazines from everyone. Apon, whatever you... Apon. Apon. Damn it. Apon. I keep pronouncing it with a, with a fucking accent, and I yeah. shouldn't. No, no. Like, Gorman, I, I, I was wondering, I was like, how is that pronounced? And then Gorman, old, like, everybody in the movie calls him Apon. Apon, so. yeah. Yeah. Because it looks like it should be Apone, but it's it, it It does, but no, it's just it's a, it's it's a just pwn. A pwn. Yeah. So. so Apone grabs the magazines from everyone, but Gorman does not tell anyone why this is important. Because Gorman is very, very, very bad at his job. He's very bad God, at his job. he is just like, the entire time I'm like, you idiot. Just like, explain shit. Yeah, just tell people why. Yeah. <sighs> they would understand. It's like, oh yeah, we don't really want to explode. Instead, it just looks like you're being an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, anyway. Um, the Marines find expended eggs and some bursted cocoon colonists, uh, but no actual xenomorphs. They find a cocooned colonist who is still alive, and she begs the Marines to kill her. Uh, they try and free her instead because they did not listen to uh, Ripley's briefing. And instead, the colonist bursts. And the Marines kill the hatchling with a flamethrower, yep. since that's the one uh, weapon they've been told they can use. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the first, their first experience with the uh, with these creatures, with, with, this, with the aliens. Yep. Uh, and this riles the entire hive up. Yep. And Ripley starts telling Gorman to pull his people out, and Gorman hesitates because Gorman is terrible at his job. Yeah. He starts freaking out pretty much immediately. Yeah, yeah. As soon as things begin to go slightly south, he panics. Mm -hmm. And then there is also the communication problems, which I don't know if it's caused because of the power station or because of the hive works. It could be either one. Could be could be either one. Could be both. Could yeah. be yeah. Who knows? Uh, but the aliens strike out at the Marines, and it is a fucking rout. Yeah. One of the things the uh, the Marines are relying on is thermal imaging, and it's kind of revealed. That the aliens don't, can't be picked up like that. I guess they're, they're they're not they don't have warm like warm bodies. No, they're more insectal than they are uh -huh. mammalian, so they don't have warm bodies. Yeah, so like they are literally hiding in plain sight. Right, and we see that like yeah. they just uncoil around people. Yeah, it's like there's some good shots in the first movie of uh, the alien hiding in the Nostromo, especially like at the end where he's just in that like pipeworks. Right, right. We we talked about that in our episode, but. And this, it's it's because they, they're they're they, there all the time. Yeah, they're there. The, the they look like the, the resin walls. and mm -hmm. the walls and stuff. It's terrifying. It's yeah. really cool. Like it, as scary as the alien is in the first movie, and I think the the first movie is better than this one. This one makes the aliens themselves scarier. I think. I agree. Uh, Gorman is in full freakout mode, and Ripley uh, commandeers the APC to go rescue uh, everyone who is left alive, which ain't much. Yeah. Because Ripley will get shit done. Ripley gets shit done, yeah. Uh, she punches through the the resin wall that's kind of blocking off the facility, and the Marines start trying to load up. Uh, Drake gets splashed with Xeno Acid uh, while trying to escape, and instead lights up the inside of the APC, so now they have a fire to contend with. Yep. But it also is a good example of why shooting these things is not a good idea. At least at close range. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. 
The flamethrower is probably, honestly, the best solution to these things, because they don't seem to, like, fire a whole lot. Yeah, and unlike in the first movie, the flamethrowers actually do stuff in this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, the, the remote guns are great, as long as you're not anywhere near them. <laughs> but, like, Hudson is using a shotgun. That seems like the worst That's, weapon to use against these a, things. It's not a good thing. And, like, all of this could have been avoided if they would have listened to Ripley's yeah, just, briefing. Just just pay attention to the Ripley. Just pay attention to Ripley. She knows what's going on. Yep. She's not bullshitting you. Uh, but now our core cast is down to Ripley, Burke, Gorman, Bishop, Vasquez, Hudson, Hicks, and Newt, plus the two pilots. And that's, like, that, they, they cut it down pretty hard. They there were a lot this of, cast. There were a lot of people. There's a lot in. of Marines. Like, I was trying to, like, write down the names of everybody, and there's, like, 20 different cast members in before this part, and it's down to, like, eight now. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while Ripley is driving the APC away, an alien busts through the window and begins clawing at her. Because that's how you want your military vehicles to be built, is easily penetratable. <laughs> yeah, considering what happens with uh, some plexiglass later in the movie, like, why didn't they just use that material? <laughs> like, actual glass. Right. But uh, while escaping, uh, the APC is pretty well busted at this yep. point. It's toast. Uh, Gorman is unconscious, doing to get getting his head kind of knocked around. Yeah, because they also don't secure the things very well inside yeah, the APC, yeah. and a bunch of like ammunition cases fall on his head. Right. Uh, and Vasquez is ready to murder this dude because of his fuck ups. And I say, go Vasquez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like he's a uh, he was very bad at his job, and got a lot of people killed. Yeah. Like, pretty much directly. Yeah. Um, Hudson finds out through, like, the uh, the scanners that Apon and Dietrich are still alive. Dietrich being their medic. And, um, but Ripley writes them off. It's like, no, if they're alive, we don't want them with us. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're already gone. They're, like, they're, they're toast, yeah. You saw what happened to those colonists? It's happening to them now. Yeah, yeah. Which is a fair assessment. Yes. But... If, if a bit brutal. Uh, they begin debating what to do about the situation. Vasquez wants to use canisters of nerve gas to destroy the hive, but they're not certain it'll work and they'll just be down another tool. Uh, Hudson just wants to leave. He is done with this whole situation. He is in full, like, PTSD breakdown at this point. Uh, and Ripley wants to nuke it from orbit, which Hudson agrees with. Yep. That's where we get that line. It's a great line. It is. Look, let's just bug out and call it even, okay? What are we talking about this for? I say we take off and nuke the entire site from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Uh, but Burke is against destroying the facility because he is a complete worm. <laughs> and it's, it's where we get our the, the good. This installation has a substantial dollar value attached to it. <sighs> they can bill me. Uh, with Gorman unconscious... Hicks is the next in the chain of command, and he agrees with Hudson and Ripley that they need to escape and nuke this site from Morgan. Yeah, let's, from just, orbit. let's just freaking glass the place. Yeah. Uh, Pharaoh and Spunkmiler, their pilot and technician, take off to pick them up. But hey, there's something sticky in the bay of the lander. That's weird. Yeah, a lot of problems would be solved if these people just paid attention and listened to each other. Yeah. Because he's like, hey, there's a there's something going on, and she's like, I don't care. Get up here. Yeah. <laughs> Just shut up. I don't distract me. Get up here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they would have... They probably wouldn't have changed the outcome. No. But... 
But yeah, it is a xenomorph that has snuck on board the ship and uh, kills Pharaoh, causing the ship to crash, stranding everyone on the on the planet. Yep. And then and then that's where we get some some of the most quotable lines from Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton just uh, begins consuming the scenery on mass. Yep. And from what I understand, most of his freakout is uh, is uh, improv. So yeah. Well, that's great. That's just fucking great, man. Now what the fuck are we supposed to do? We're some real pretty shit now, man. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. What the fuck are we gonna do now? What are we gonna do? Uh, they go back in their kind of command facility in the main colony. Because and Newt gives her line. We better get back, because it'll be dark soon, and they mostly come at night. Mostly. Uh, Hicks begins taking stock of what supplies are left from what they brought with them and what's on the APC and what they've scrounged up from the facility, and there's not much left. They have four auto guns, one and a half flamethrowers, and the first flamethrower is uh, possibly non-functional. <laughs> yeah, so you want to use that one. <laughs> yeah, they've got a couple grenades, uh, the rifles... Minus any ammo that they've used. Yeah. The, plus small arms. It's essentially like half of the ammo left. <laughs> right, yeah. They are not in good shape. Uh, Hicks says that due to policy, no rescue will be coming for them for 17 days. Roughly. And at, at that news, Hudson kind of finishes his full collapse. <laughs> yeah, he's just... He deteriorates even more. <laughs> yeah. Um, they begin making a plan to defend themselves for as long as possible, setting up the autocannons, uh, fusing the door so that they don't open anymore, and just locking themselves in as much as possible. See, and this is where there was a little cut from the, uh, the theatrical release, because mm-hmm. um, while we do see them like setting up barricades and fusing the doors, the autocannons are not there, period. Yeah, and that's a, the autocannons are a big part of, this, of the full cut. Right, because in a little bit, you have those scenes where the aliens are trying to break in and getting mowed down by the autocannons. That's not in the theatrical cut. Like, it's completely removed. The next time we see the aliens is is that tense moment when they're, like... In the ceiling. In the ceiling, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, take it for what it is. And that's that's the biggest thing where I think that separates the theatrical and the extended cuts from being more of a horror and more of an action. Mm -hmm. Because... In the theatrical cut, you don't see them again until they're like it's that little bit of mystery. Like they're they're here, they are here, they're running in, they're yeah. they're getting on well, top he, of us. Here's but... the thing: is in the special edition, you don't see them either. Oh, that's right. You do not see them at you all. You just heard the guns shooting. You hear the guns shooting, and you watch the the crew watching their ammo count down, and they're just like, "Holy shit! How many of these things are there?" Okay, we are draining for like. These guns hold about a thousand rounds a piece, and we are draining them empty, and they're still coming. Okay. They're at the doors. Okay, yeah. So I I must have a false memory then of uh, yeah. of seeing the aliens in this. Yeah, scene, I so. I think it actually ratchets the tension up. Okay, because you're still not seeing them. You're just watching you're just, them expend you're these seeing people's the, resources. You're seeing and, the evidence of them. It's yeah, the, it's the the Jaws effect that we were talking exactly, about last exactly. time. Exactly. So. Okay. Fair. Fair. Uh, Hicks and Ripley kind of flirt a bit, sort of, in a way. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. And then Ripley... Doesn't really go anywhere. (laughs) Not really. (laughs) 
Uh, but Ripley tries to get Newt to take a nap, and they bond over being survivors of previous alien attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ripley gives Newt the locator bracelet that Hicks had given her, so that they'll be able to find Newt no matter where she goes, and reassures her that Ripley is going to watch over her no matter what. Uh, Bishop and Ripley try to determine the life cycle of the Xenomorph, and I've already kind of talked about that enough at this point, so I won't rehash that. Yeah, and and even though parts of that were were cut from the theatrical release, it is still in Mm -hmm. the theatrical release where they're like, well, then who the hell's laying all these eggs? Right, yeah. And Hudson talks about the Big Mama. Uh Uh-huh. And confuses bees for ants. Well, see, that's not in the theatrical. Ah, okay. I don't think. Anyway. Well, maybe Um, it is. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't watch that one. Um, <laughs> Ripley tells Bishop to burn the remains of the specimens and to kill the alive ones. And Bishop tells her that Burke wants the two living facehuggers kept alive. Then Ripley checks the logs and finds out that Burke was the one who sent the original surveyors to find the ship. Mm-hmm. So she, Burke directly killed Newt's parents yeah. and caused all this. And. Burke seems a little remorseful about what happened because he's like, yeah, I caused all this. I'm really sorry. But he's more just, the, it's the company line and, and that sort of thing. It's yeah. just, um, he's a weasel. Yeah, when she confronts him, um, he does, like, counter. He's just like, this is, these things are very important scientifically. And, yeah. And not even scientifically, he does straight up tell Ripley, like, these things are worth a lot to like from like a military weapon perspective. Right. And he says like, if we can get one of these back, we will be set for life. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she counters like, okay, how are we going to get these things through, uh, through like, uh, customs essentially. Yeah. And, how are we going to smuggle them in? He says, well, we just won't tell them that we have them. And Ruth is like, oh yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah. I will. I'm going to tell them. <laughs> yeah. Because Burke has misread Lip- Ripley completely. Oh God. Yeah. He could not have been more wrong with, like, Ripley was done with the company's bullshit in the first movie. <laughs> That's, like, one of the things we understand about the crew of the Nostromo is they are tired of being jerked around by these people. Uh-huh. Uh, then an alarm goes off, uh, signaling that the aliens have arrived and are charging the sentry guns. And this is where we get the first scene of, like, the ammo counting down. And you can hear the aliens screaming and hearing the guns going off. By the way, uh, the alien screams were done via uh, recording baboon screeches and altered in post. The alien queen is credited as James Cameron. Good for him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> he, the man's got range. Yeah. Uh, and then Bishop lets the team know that, uh, hey, the reactor that we were just in, that thing's going to blow in about four hours. We're not going to have time to be rescued. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently uh, the shooting that they ended up doing uh, did cause problems. Uh, we also discovered that Hudson was four weeks away from retirement. <laughs> Which is... <laughs> it's That's such a line. I love that. <laughs> it's such a, an info drop. Yeah. Um, they discussed using the colony radios to contact the Sulanco, but the connections have been severed and they need to realign... The dishes to contact the Solanco, and they at this point they would have to be manually aligned. Someone would have to go out there and do it. Um, and they decide that Bishop should be the one to do it because a he's the only one who can remote pilot the ship and he with his computer brain, and b 
there's a pretty good chance the aliens won't bother him because he's not alive. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and when you say they decided, it's, it was pretty much him. He was just like, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. And everybody's yeah. arguing, and he's like, no, I'll go. I'll do it. Do I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. <laughs> so. uh, the aliens charge the other entrance that they have guarded with the sentries, uh, draining them and leaving the group completely defenseless at this point. But the aliens do back off. And uh, Ripley kind of theorizes that it's because they found that these two entrances hurt them, so they're going to try and find a third entrance. They might leave those alone for the time being just because that's where they got hurt. Even even though they know that's where... Even though the, the guns are empty, the aliens don't know that. Right. Uh, Ripley makes Hicks promise to kill them both before the aliens can take them because she doesn't want to like live her nightmare. Of getting face huggered and having an alien burst out of her. And then they gun flirt. <laughs> uh, Gorman wakes up and is still but is still kind of groggy and concussed. And then Ripley goes to check on Newt but doesn't find her in the bed. Uh, she looks under the bed and finds Newt sleeping there. Because it's more comfortable for her to be in tight, enclosed spaces now. Just because of everything that's happened. Uh, Ripley comforts her when she begins to have a bad dream. While Bishop uh, begins working on aligning those dishes. He contacts the Solanco and it releases another dropship to come pick them up. Ripley falls asleep with Newt, but she wakes up because one of the specimen containers has opened, releasing a facehugger into the room that they're oh, in. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, it damn near gets Ripley, but she flips the bed on top of it, pins it momentarily. Um, this med lab is both is sealed at the moment and is completely soundproof so that no one can hear them outside. We cut to Burke watching them on a camera and he just casually flips the camera off. Yep. And she also, uh, she also Ripley immediately tries to go for her gun because she had that. She had put it on the bed right. before going to sleep. And it's outside. And now it's outside. Yeah. So. so thanks, Burke. Yep. Asshole. Uh, Ripley tries to break the glass with a chair, but it is... Far too tough. This is some sort of impenetrable glass. <laughs> yeah, this is you gotta you gotta keep the med labs as safe as possible. But that APC, not no. so much. Yeah, <laughs> the APC is made out of fiberglass. This is made out of Kevlar. The tough, yeah, something. <laughs> or, well, it's made of it's made of reinforced. Uh, um, reinforced. The the word is now gone. I don't know if you're. Made a good glass. Good glass. It's made a good glass. <laughs> uh, Ripley uses her lighter to set off the fire suppression system, which causes an alert in the command center. And Hicks goes a running because he knows that's where Newt and Ripley were. Uh, she fights off the face hugger again, but it does get around her throat. While there is a second face hugger, and it begins to go for Newt. Yep, we were told there were two. Yep. Uh, Newt pins its tail against a wall using uh, the bed and then uh, Hicks and the others uh, shoot the uh, window in because it's apparently not immune to bullets and then they rescue Ripley and Newt Ripley implicates Burke in the whole incident and they are ready to just murder Burke which would probably be the best thing they could possibly do uh, but the aliens cut the power <laughs> Smart some bitches. Which Hudson is freaking out about because they should not be able to do that. They're they're animals. They can't just cut power. Yeah, they're not smart enough. They're not velociraptors. And it was at this point in time um, where my uh, my daughter uh, came downstairs and started watching this with me. And 
like I've seen this before and I knew it wasn't overly graphic uh-huh. or anything. So it's just like, yeah, whatever. I'll let her watch it. And when he calls them animals, Sonya got really upset. And she's like, they're not animals. They're aliens. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to try to explain to her. It's like, it's not worth it. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, the group puddles up and Hudson begins getting movement readings from inside the complex, but no sightings on any cameras or anything. Um, eventually, like, the movement readings begin to get closer and closer and closer until it seems like they're in the room that everyone's in, but they don't see anything. So, I have questions yeah. about all of this. Because... Obviously, uh, as we learn, they are in the ceiling. Right. Um, and, I mean, Ripley is... She does kind of mention, like, they were looking at the schematics of this place, the right. blueprints and everything, and she was saying, like, are they in somewhere that wasn't on the on the blueprints? Uh-huh. And then when they look in the ceiling and see them, it's like... Like, th- that, that crawl space in the ceiling couldn't have been hidden on those blueprints, or maybe it was. But, like, how is that an well, oversight? <laughs> here's what it is. Okay. Is... It's not that the crawl space is in there. It's that that on the blueprints, that was one room. And then when they put the ceilings up, it made that space. Oh, so that it was just not even... Right. Okay. Those weren't built into the plans because... Right, that right, was... right. Okay, okay. Because, yeah. it, I mean, it does seem like one of those things where it's like, why did nobody think of that? Right, <laughs> but... yeah. Because according to the plans, there's nothing there. Yeah. But that's because when they built the command center, they put in that grating in the ceiling so that they but would have a... Left, and it left that it left space. Okay. But yeah, the the uh, space above the ceiling is completely chock-a-block full of aliens, yeah. as Hicks finds out. Yep, another icon. That's one of the more iconic scenes in the movie is seeing all the aliens yeah. crawling at you. Yeah, great suit work. Yeah. Um, Ripley and Newt begin to like run away, but Burke seals them in because he is a complete shitbag. Yeah, he is. We get some really good looks at the ridge-headed look of the xenomorphs in this scene, uh, more than just the quick glances we saw before. And we see that they do look different than the one from the first movie. Yeah. They're more intricate looking. They're stockier. And they've got the ridges on their head. These are warrior cast. Oh. So what would make that from the original? What was that one? That one uh, that one was just a drone, which is just like a regular worker bee style one. Oh, okay. These ones are actually like soldier cast. Okay. So these are meant for combat. Yeah. That one was just kind of a... For combat and for protecting the queen. Okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, an alien pops out of the floor and grabs Hudson. So, bye, Bill Paxton. You're gone. Yep. We'll miss you. Yep. Uh, no, more, no more one-liners from you. No. Hicks uh, fries the locks so that they can escape. While Vasquez holds off the aliens, uh, Burke continues his coward's retreat where he is gotten by an alien. Good, he is alien. Good riddance. Yeah. We don't see what happens to him. Um, it could be the alien popped its jaws through him. It could be it grabbed him. I don't know. Who knows? Make up your own story here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Regardless, if he did survive, he soon exploded, so it doesn't matter. It does not matter. And and it's kind of funny, though, because um, all of the characters, like, they don't see him again. Nope. They don't question it no. either. They're just like, he's gone. Not a problem anymore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bishop announces that the ship is about 16 minutes away, while the team begins shimmering through the vents to get to Bishop's drop point. Uh, Vasquez runs out of ammo uh, and is reduced to just small arms. Gorman goes back to her, uh, but they are soon overwhelmed. 
Yeah, it's a quick redemption for for Gorman. Gorman. Yeah, he finally does the right thing. Yeah, and and it, it, there's a little bit of that uh, poetry at rhymes kind of thing where he uh, yeah he goes back to save Vasquez, who moments ago was ready to kill him in yeah. his yeah. unconscious state. Uh, they detonate a grenade so that it blows the vents out, kills the remaining or the encroaching aliens, but it also dislodges Newt, who slips and falls down a separate vent, and she is missing. Hicks and Newt uh, use the locator to find her, but they can't quite get to her because there's a grate in the way. Uh, Hicks begins cutting the grate, but by the time they get down there, Newt is gone. Yep, another iconic scene of the alien rising up out of the water. Yeah, just looming. That's, like, one of the things that I always... Yeah, that, yeah. It, it's a good shot. Uh, Ripley immediately wants to go for Newt, but they are running out of time. They need to make it to the ship. Uh, they get in an elevator and begin hammering on the button, but right before it closes, uh, Xenomorph pops in. Hicks shoots it, but it splashes him with acid, and he is pretty well taken out of the picture. Yeah, yeah, he's he's still alive, but he, it messes him up pretty bad. Yeah, it, I think it gets in his eye because mm-hmm. he, yeah, yeah, he's got they bandage his eye up later on, yeah, and it eats through pretty much entirety all of his armor and burns his chest pretty bad. Yep. Uh, they load up on the ship with Bishop uh, and then go to try and rescue Newt. Mm-hmm. Ripley heads out, completely armed to the teeth at this point. She, She's taken pretty much everything they have left. Yeah, she duct tapes the remaining flamethrower and an assault rifle together. Uh, the assault rifle slash grenade launcher that Hicks showed her earlier. Uh, she's got grenades. She's got small arms. She is as loaded as possible. Uh, we find out that it is about 15 minutes until the explosion, so we have a ticking clock that is ticking closer and closer. And from what I understand, in both the theatrical and the extended cut, it is an actual real-time 15 Oh, minutes. nice. This isn't a dynamic situation? Nope. Nice. No, according to IMDb, yeah. th- this is an actual, like, if you set a timer from right now, it is a full 15 minutes for the ex- until nice. the explosion. Apparently, also, there's a, a moment earlier in the movie where there's a 10-second countdown that does the same thing. Okay, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. It's a tiny touch and completely unnecessary, but I like it. it that's a very James Cameron-y thing. Like, he, he, I like James Cameron as a director, and I hope he gets this Avatar shit out of his system. <laughs> well, he's not going to for a while. God, I know. <laughs> He is the only person interested in those movies, I swear to John. <laughs> I don't know. They're making enough money to, to beg different, but... <laughs> Have you seen the... Did you see the, the announcement for the fucking mobile game? No. The, at D23 this weekend, uh, they did a bunch of gaming announcements uh, the first night. Yeah. And one of the things they announced is a mobile avatar game. That's oh. like a... Uh, God. A uh, Fortnite-style thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it, it looks like... Okay, you know if you're watching, like... CSI or something, and they have an episode that's like, oh, these games are making these kids all crazy. Oh, no. And they have a fake PS1 video game. Yeah. It looks like that. Oh, man. Oh, that's bad. Yeah, it looks terrible. No, I always thought that I was, like, the only one who didn't give a shit about the Avatar (sighs) movies, but I don't know. It's... Anyway. Neither here nor there. (laughs) I I would like it. I would like him to get past Avatar myself. Yeah, yeah. Go back to doing, um, like... Underwater shit. Those movies <laughs> ruled. <laughs> Aliens of the Deep is very good. <laughs> uh, Ripley uses um, Newt's locator bracelet and motion tracker to determine where the nest is, finds her way down it, leaving a trail of fla- flares that she can follow out. Mm-hmm. She finds the discarded uh, locator bracelet. And, and pretty much is like, well, that's yep. it. Yeah. She's gone. I can't find her. Yeah. 
Uh, Newt wakes up. She's cocooned to a wall with a egg hatching right in front of her. Ripley hears her scream and charges to the rescue. Downy aliens in the way, blowing Yay. up the egg and just being generally awesome. Yep. Ripley going on her commando kick. Yep. Uh, she uh, pulls Newt free and they begin to retreat um, and then find themselves in a chamber full of eggs. Full of eggs. Yeah. It's like they, she starts very carefully walking through it. Uh-huh. But she knows what's going to happen. And then they find the massive queen alien. And um, I want to interject with a couple side notes here. Mm-hmm. Um, apart from the reveal of the queen alien being badass, yeah. um, I want to say that, again, my, uh, my going-on six-year-old was watching with me. <laughs> And when the, uh, like, it, it pans across, and, and the entire time, like, she's asking questions, mm-hmm. and, you know, being a general, like, inquisitive six-year-old. Right. And, uh, and I'm just telling her, you know, just watch, just watch. I've not said a word about anything that's going on. So she's just watching it, and it pans over, and she's just kind of in awe, and she's like, wow, what's that? Are those eggs? And, and then it pans over to the queen, and then it has that moment where the queen lowers her head, and the mouth kind of comes out of the, the, the sheath kind of thing, uh-huh. and then she opens her mouth, and my daughter, who I have not said a word to about this, says, she, she kind of gasps, and she goes, that's my favorite alien ever! <laughs> I love that queen. I couldn't believe I was like awestruck. I was like And then when Ripley held up her gun, Sonya goes, No! I don't want her to kill it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Something like that. It oh, was incredible. God, that kid's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um also I wanted to I wanted to note that uh one of my bigger regrets is uh back when I worked at GameStop and I'd go to the uh uh, store manager conference. Right. Um, one year they had the actual queen prop. Oh, they on did. And I did not take a picture of oh, it because shit, man. I am an idiot. <laughs> I was looking through it, but no, they had the actual alien queen. That's awesome. Prop on display, and that's it a, was cool. That's a prop that they've managed to keep in really good condition, it considering looked, it's like almost forty years old at this point. Yeah, it looked awesome. Yeah. So. Like, I mean, you look at other old props. Like, I saw a picture the other day of ET. Of one of the E.T. puppets, <laughs> and it's a shriveled mess of animatronics yeah. and rotted puppetry. Right. And, like, the fact that the Alien Queen still looks pretty much exactly like she did in that movie is looks incredible. Yeah. And and I didn't take any pictures, apparently. I was yeah. looking through my phone. I was like, I had to. But, no. I took a picture of the fucking DeLorean from, I mean, from the, that's Back cool to the too, Future, but... but I didn't take a picture of yeah. the Alien. Oh, well. But, anyway. Neither, like I said, yeah. Side, yeah. side thing. But the bigger thing was the Sonya thing, because that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, more of the soldier cast aliens enter, and Ripley begins lighting up some eggs, kind well, of she, like... she threatens it first. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, a, it's an un... There's no dialogue, of course. It's yeah. all just kind of a... Uh, it's just a visual thing, but she just kind of shows, like, hey, I'm holding a flamethrower. And then she kind of gestures to the alien eggs, yeah. and the queen recoils, and you see the drones kind of backing off. Right, Or, I yeah. guess, the, the warriors backing yeah, yeah. off. And it's, it's like, really it's, cool. It's a really good scene. It's like... Yes, the like implication the, is clear. The only sound you hear in this is, like, the flamethrower igniting and the breathing of the queen alien. Uh-huh. And it, there's, I've seen a lot of theories about why, like, she breathes like this when none of the other aliens seem to. Okay. Like, she is, she runs hot. Okay. Like, she has 
he like you can see her breath even in this hot environment. Right. Um, and like there's been some theories that you know she's the queen. She expends a lot more energy, so she runs hotter. Sure. Maybe she's just that pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> she's like a bull. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if she's that pissed off yet, though. Not yet, because, but <laughs> because she's about to be. Well, it's like they, the queen is in a constant state of like barely controlled rage. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's <laughs> intense. Yeah, because like right. she's huge. She's connected to this gross egg sack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's squirting out egg, eggs. Egg tube. And, yeah. Egg tube is a bad phrase. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad phrase. I'm going to endeavor to use it as often as I can now. Okay, cool, awesome. <laughs> Um, Ripley and Newt begin backing away from this whole situation, and then Ripley decides that she needs to exterminate all these eggs. Yeah, she's 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 like, thank you for letting me out while I hold held your children hostage. I'm gonna kill them anyway. Well, I, the thing that gets me is like, this is 100 just Ripley giving into her rage. Yeah, because these aliens are going to explode. <laughs> it didn't in matter. less than 15 it, minutes. It really didn't matter. No, she just had to do it. Yeah. Um, so she lights up the entire room, and then as she's leaving, she tosses a bandolier of grenades into the inferno, which explodes. She hates these guys. She does yeah. not like aliens. No, no, they're bad. <laughs> um, and the queen separates from her egg sac. And, and gives chase. And gives chase, yeah. yeah. This queen is so pissed, she's ready to break, break herself in half in order to chase down yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Well, just like with, uh, with termites... The queen can separate from the egg sac to escape in dangerous situations. Sure, um, it's not healthy. <laughs> like the the termite queen is not supposed to do that, and like it's just it, it's a possibility. It's an escape like thing. Yeah, yeah. it's a last ditch effort. And, right. Yeah. Oh, and in this case, it's more of a I'm I am so mad I'm going to do this. Right. Yeah. In like bee colonies, the queen does nothing except lay eggs. Mm-hmm. That's all she does. Right. Um, so the qu- alien queen is a little bit more proactive. <laughs> Yeah, she's a little bit. She got a little bit more get yeah. up and go. Yeah, uh, we've got about five minutes until this reactor blows up. Uh, Ripley and Newt are waiting for a lift, and the Queen corners them. They manage to make it up, um, but when they get to the landing platform, it looks like Bishop and Hicks have abandoned them. Yep, Bishop was revealed to be the traitorous douchebag that she yep. that all synthetics was... are. Ooh, yeah, we that, hate them that, synthetics. Yep. Uh, the queen rides up in the second lift, which to me implies she was able to hit the buttons on the lift. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> which is a very funny thought of her just tink, yeah, hitting a button and like, dude, waiting there listening yeah, to the music. To bad music. <laughs> um, but it looks like Bishop and Hicks did not abandon them. The dropship raises behind them. Uh, Ripley and Newt jump for it and make it on the ship, but the uh, drop hatch does not quite close because there's some debris stuck in it. Yeah. This will be important later. <laughs> right. Uh, they fly back to the Sulanco. Hicks is unconscious but stable. Uh, Ripley has a brief talk with Bishop, and Bishop is like, ah, oh, geez, like, I, I hope you didn't think I left you. I just couldn't stay there anymore because this thing was rocking and yeah, I wasn't the, sure I could take off. The platform was unstable. I had to get up and just keep circling in hopes that I found yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So Bishop is best robot. Yes, he is. Uh, and then the Queen Alien rips him out. Yeah, then, he, he, then he has a bad time. Uh, <laughs> then he's two best robots. <laughs> but it's it's another really cool scene. Like, that's probably the best that... 
anything lo- like the, the the tail going through his chest looks so cool. It, it looks amazing, and then just like lifting him up, and the queen alien tearing him in half and just throwing him away. It's and... it's a good scene. Yeah, it's a yeah, really cool scene. Uh, the queen begins hunting for Ripley and Newt. Uh, Ripley backs away and lures the queen towards her while Newt tries to escape into the vents. Uh, we see that Bishop is still functional, even though he is half the man he used to be. <laughs> well, why not? Ash was, too. Yeah. Oh, 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 to be fair, Ash was a little less coherent. But... Like, we, we give the synthetics a lot of crap, especially in our first review, where it's like, oh, yeah, uh, Bolt in the head made him go crazy. <laughs> These things are surprisingly, like, not durable, but tenacious, long, tenacious and long-lasting. Because, <laughs> like, both Bishop and Ash are reduced to their component parts, and they're still functional. These things are the, uh, the, 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 ro- the synthetic and robotic equivalent of my car. Yeah. God, yes! <laughs> that fucking thing. The, all of the bad things will happen to it, but it will still run. Yeah. <laughs> Despite everything, it will still run. Yep. <laughs> um, while the queen is hunting for Newt, Ripley locks herself into the power loader, and we get the cool, get your hands off her, you bitch! Get away from her, you bitch! Uh, Ripley and the Queen wrestle for a while, and then Ripley maneuvers the Queen over into the airlock, uh, pushes her down it, but it pulls the loader down on top of her, causing Ripley to briefly turn into an action figure. (laughs) It's gonna happen sometimes. Yeah, no. But the Queen is pinned under the loader. Ripley begins climbing up the louder to release the outer door, but the queen gets a grab on her, and they're both nearly sucked out until Ripley pro- uh, proves the more tenacious of the two and hangs on, and then pulls her out despite the vacuum of space. Holy shit, Ripley. I mean, we just saw in life, that's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of depends on the, the movie universe, because yeah. um, in reality, that's not going to happen. No. Like, at all. <laughs> but <laughs> And it's also not as dramatic or as long-lasting in real life. Yeah, yeah. But... But yeah, the, the queen is sucked into space, Ripley closes the airlock, and our survivors are safe. Yay! Until the next movie, because Newt and Hicks will die in between them. Uh, Bishop is just kind of a token appearance. He's a head. He's a head. <laughs> He's a head in the next movie. Yeah. Unless you read the books and comics. Uh, I hear that the William Gibson novelization of Alien 3 is pretty good. That one came out last year, and was... William Gibson is a high-profile sci-fi author. He wrote Neuromancer and a bunch of other good stuff. Um, and I hear his novelization, which was going to originally be the spec script for Alien 3, uh, he released it as a novel last year, and I hear it's very good. I haven't read it yet, but I want to. Well, So maybe they survive on that one. I don't know. <laughs> but there we go. That is Aliens. Yes. Wow, I talked for a long time. Yeah. No, this is a, this was another long episode. Yeah. Um, it's a dense movie. A it, lot happens constantly. It's it is a dense movie. Um, like it, it, it's a long movie. Like the cut I watched is an hour and twenty two minutes. Okay, or two hours twenty two minutes. Excuse me. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like an hour twenty two minutes no, is not me. super long. Two, okay. uh, two hours and twenty two <laughs> minutes. It's, it's one hundred and fifty five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Now that's that is not insubstantial. No, it's a, it's um, a long sit, but it is a good movie. It is an excellent movie. There's a reason that it is as well known, as quoted, and as parodied as it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, just like a lot of those horror movies from the '80s. Yeah, were, but and still, it, it kind of established Cameron as the dude who does really good sequels to sci-fi horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess that uh, 
the uh, the original like they used the same production they used the same filming studio and crew mm-hmm. in uh, overseas uh, in um, in Britain um, they used the same British crew right. that the first one and evidently the crew did not respect him at all oh I, because, yeah that's what I heard because they wanted like they they respected um, Ridley Scott Ridley Scott so much yeah. and they were like who's this Joker coming in and apparently like in an effort to uh, to try to get them on his side and prove that he can do good, mm-hmm. Cameron did like hosted a screening of Terminator for them, and most of them didn't even bother to show up. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, apparently him, him, his wife, and the crew were so like pretty much constantly at odds uh-huh. that as he left, he told them all like, "I am leaving this hellhole, and you have to stay here." Bye. And he has never worked with that studio since. Wow. <laughs> like, apparently, it was bad. Yeah. It got real bad. Like, oh, Ridley man. Scott is very good at creating a cult workforce around him. Like, the people who work with him are devoted to him. And he is a very good director. He's a very obsessive director and very controlling director. But well, he that's, gets... That's more impressive that, that people will... Well, he's very follow him like that. He's very good at getting results. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whatever works. But, yeah. But, uh, of course, now it's like you look back. and Because, I mean, at the same time back then, James Cameron isn't the big name he was. No, no, or, no. Or He wasn't the big name he is now, obviously. He, he, uh, I mean, he done Piranha at he, that point. Uh, Piranha and Piranha 2? I, th- I think it was Piranha 2. Piranha actually. 2, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had done Piranha 2. And yeah, like I said, he was sequel guy. Terminator. The original Terminator. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he didn't. But he, it, at that point, he was still not as big. As, uh-huh. I mean, obviously, he's not as big as he is now. But um, so back then, he was a relative nobody. Yeah. But uh, so it's like in, it, it's just one of those hindsight things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, longer episode. But with that, let's cut on over to the crunch. Unless yeah. you have anything else to add? No, I got nothing. Alrighty. Welcome back. Uh, we are now going to crunch us up an alien uh, who I have to imagine is going to be the queen. Yeah. I have not actually looked into oh, this. Okay. I looked through your notes, but I didn't look at the crunch. Okay. So I, I like being surprised on this part. Okay. So, okay. so hit me with what you... Oh, okay. Never mind. I see the name. It's yeah. good. Okay. <laughs> so I just did a face hugger. <laughs> no. Um, what we've got is the Zeno Regent. Yep. Uh, that's good. Based off of uh, the Zeno... Line that I've worked on a couple times now at this point. Yeah, yeah. Xenodrone. Uh-huh. And, I mean... The, the Zeno Jaw, which is a... I was going to say, does that count? <laughs> kind of. Okay. But, yeah, this is uh, based off the Alien Queen. Uh, we got a large monstrosity, neutral evil. Um, what? Might I pose that she'd be huge? I wasn't sure about size, because size is always kind of weird. Huge. I, I think she'd be huge. Would large, she be huge? Large is, like, grizzly bear size, and okay. I would argue that she's bigger yeah. than grizzly bear. So. Well, I was I was like going off. Okay, uh, medium is five foot by five foot, and large is Ru- ten foot by ten foot. Roughly, yeah. And she seems about ten foot tall. I don't know, I'd push her to fifteen. Think so? I okay. would push her to whatever. 15, so, I like I am not married to. That. I mean, she's not not necessarily like 
the the tricky part with the size classification yes. in D&D is that like a medium is not necessarily a 5 by 5. Yeah. It occupies a 5 foot f- space in combat. Right. In other yeah. words how it moves and the the range that it moves. Um I mean most creatures are most medium creatures are going to be actually taller than five feet. Yeah. Uh, and definitely not five feet wide. Yeah, <laughs> We've exactly. We've discussed that before. It's like... But same yeah, but... thing with, like, large and huge. Like, to me, um, you always have to assume that these creatures are actually a bit smaller than that yeah. footprint they make. It's because that's just their their presence it's, and area. It's the problem with D&D 5e trying to be a miniatures game and a fully tabletop game at the same time. Right, right. But uh, where Ori yeah, was like, okay, we're just making a tabletop war game, basically, and that's how combat is going to function, and right. that worked well for that. Right, right. We're now we're kind of half and half, and it's starting to show the cracks. <laughs> yeah, it is. But uh, but just for the sake of, I would I okay. would yeah. put her on a huge side. Okay, but, but yeah, okay, right. fine then. Huge monstrosity, neutral evil. Okay. Uh, armor class of twenty one, natural armor. She's hard to hit. Yeah, she's too. F- uh, Holy shit, that's a lot of hit points. Isn't it, though? Christ! Hit points, 427, 45d10, plus 180. Ha! She's the queen. Don't fuck with her. Hot damn. Hold on, hold on. You might need to increase her challenge rating based off of that. Let me grab my book. <laughs> that's, that is a lot of hit points. Mm-hmm. Did you base her stats off of anything in no. particular? or? Okay, because... To put it in perspective, uh, 427 is on par with a lot of challenge rating 30 monsters. Okay. Well, um, fine then, whatever. Let's look at the rest of the stat block and we'll kind of decide. But but just to give you an idea, because I'm looking ahead here, her challenge you've got her challenge rating at 15. Mm-hmm. Those have an average of 281 to 295. Okay. So, <laughs> but, uh, but we'll see what happens with the rest of this. So, carry on. Okay. Yeah. Uh, speed of 30 feet. Uh, strength at a plus four. Dex at a plus four. Constitution at a plus four. Intelligence at a plus one, wisdom at a plus zero, and charisma at a minus one. Yeah, yeah. Saving throws for uh, strength and constitution at a plus nine apiece. Uh, damage resistances to acid, condition immunities to blinded, charmed, and frightened. Uh, refresh my memory. Was the Xenodrone just resistant to acid? Yes. Okay, I couldn't remember if they were resistant to No, I, I looked at the block for okay. our, our drone when I was doing this. Okay. Uh, blind sight of 60 feet, uh, blind beyond that, although I didn't write it down just because I copied this over from the program I was using. Uh, passive perception of 10, no languages, challenge rating of 15, as we mentioned. Uh, we have the same acidic blood that the Xenodrone had. Uh, whenever the Xenoregent takes slashing or piercing damage from a non-magical source, all creatures within 5 feet of the Xenoregent must make a DC 16 dexterity saving throw, taking 3d8 acid damage on a fail or half as much on a success. I'm scrutinizing the hell out of your work today. I don't know why, but... Yeah, what the hell, man? <laughs> Is this going to be year two? Are you just going to hold my nuts to the fire this entire season? Because <laughs> I can go on strike, man. I would be sad. Yeah, you it would. It would not stop me. <laughs> but I would be sad. <laughs> um, okay, I'm just... Okay, just, can, I, can I continue? You may continue. Okay. Uh, her second ability is Hive Queen. The Xenoregent gets a plus one to its damage rolls for each of its allies within five feet of the target. Okay. Um, I would... <laughs> yes? Never mind. Never mind. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you do. Okay. Uh, her next ability is Mother of Monsters. At the start of the Xenoregent's round, the Xenoregent summons a Xenodrone in an open space within 60 feet that is in low light or dark. 
Oh, just every... Oh. Yeah. Okay, that's brutal. Yes. All right. Actions. Uh, she has multi-attack. She makes two claw attacks, one bite attack, and one tail attack. Alrighty. For claw, it is a melee weapon, uh, plus nine to hit, reach of five feet, one target, hit, average of 14 slashing damage. Alrighty. Bite, a melee weapon attack, plus nine to hit, reach five feet, one target, average of 26 piercing damage. Okay. And then for tail, uh, reach, or uh, nine feet to hit, reach a plus nine to hit, reach of 10 feet, one target, and on hit, average of 22 piercing damage. Alrighty. And then she has legendary actions. Of course she does. She'd better. Uh, she can rend, making two claw attacks, pierce, making a tail attack, or she can call guards, in which she summons two Xenodrones in empty spaces within 60 feet that are in low light or darker, costing two actions. Okay. Okay. She yeah. is a minion master. Yeah, um, but she's also got quite a bit of power behind mm-hmm. herself as well. So now that we've gone through that, because that's, that's the end of her stat block, correct? Correct. I mean, she's not overly flashy, no. um, but she does exactly what she needs to do, uh-huh. uh, and I definitely appreciate that. Um, but now, let's looking at this, we definitely probably should bring her hit points down a little Fine. bit. Fine. Especially if she's going to be summoning so many minions. Uh-huh. Um, I would put her... I mean, I don't know the exact number of, of D10s it should be, but... Her maximum or average HP should be in the higher 200 range, not in the lower 400. Fine, whatever then. (laughs) Let me fix this. Okay, there. Instead, we will go to 285 on average, which is 30 D10s. Okay. Does that pass muster? Um, I think oh I, my feel, God. I feel better about it. <laughs> okay. Sure. I feel better about it for sure. <laughs> then looking at her average damage output per uh-huh. turn, um, as is right now, she's dealing an average of 160 damage every round, uh-huh. which uh, is on par with a challenge rating 22 monster. Okay. So I would, so instead of messing with that, what I would do is increase her challenge rating to, I would say like 19 or 20. Okay. Um, because that, and leaving her hit points that where it is, because that'll help kind of offset that discrepancy a little bit. Okay. So she's so a just little up bit, her challenge rating. Yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, cause that'll make her a little bit more squishy, but she is very, very dangerous still. And of course she's summoning con- constant minions, uh-huh. which will also impede, uh, getting to her. Okay. Um, and just constantly, and of course you would be getting the, you have to incorporate all of the minions, um, challenge rating. So I don't think it's that big of a deal, but, no. uh, but yeah, that's. Those are okay. my big notes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think that that fits a little bit better with lower hit points, higher challenge rating, um, and everything else. I mean, I, again, mechanically, I really like her. I think that she's really cool. Mm-hmm. And um, I would definitely use her against you. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so. Sorry, I was a little bit more <laughs> judgmental on this You one. were up my ass on that one. <laughs> I was a little bit more critical. But okay, so that's end of first episode of year one. <laughs> year two, you mean? Or first whatever. episode of year two? I don't care anymore. <laughs> You've ruined it for me. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Change it all back. It was fine. <laughs> no, it's done now. I already erased it. Um, but we've got a lot of cool stuff in year two coming up. We've talked about what we want to do. We have talked about doing a couple more theme months because we did not learn our lesson the first time with Mayelmo del Toro. Because we're idiots. 
we don't know when we're going to do them, but we are going to do them. Yeah, we, we do. We still want to keep up with the holiday episodes. Yep. Uh, so we did have a lot of fun, even though those were a little... Uh, last year, we had the benefit of having more time. We had enough of a backlog. This yeah. year, we're, we're, we're up on it pretty close. We need to, to start getting better about that, Just but like things have been bananas lately, and with the COVID resurgence, everyone's been sick. Yeah, I've been sick constantly. Um... <laughs> I cannot believe I haven't got it, considering I work directly in the public, and... You've you've had multiple exposures. I've had multiple exposures. I've been off work a couple times because of it. I've had the only person that I work with in direct contact in a like ten foot office has had it with me, and I still have not had it. Like yeah. I, at this point, I am convinced I am immune to this fucking disease. Like yep. I am the only person, and, and I'm it. sick with everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've had it twice, and then I got a respiratory infection yeah. last week. So, but uh, but yeah, I we're, just had we're... that weird ear thing that fucked me up for forever. <laughs> right. But we're gonna um, we're gonna try to get on that. But yeah, we're definitely gonna keep up on the holiday episodes. Uh-huh. The- and the, those are definitely more loaded towards this end of the year than over the summer. Like we didn't really like our last holiday episode was. God, what uh, was it? Leprechaun. Was it may it have been March? Leprechaun. I think it was in March. Yeah, yeah, because we didn't do one for May. No. Or April. Well, we did Mayomel del Toro, but that's not oh really... no. I guess we did. No, our last one would have been Monster. We oh, did for, Monster April Fools. for April Fool's Day. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, but yeah, like we didn't do any after that. No. So we, we talked about doing one for 4th of July, but thing, that's we when jo- things started going weird. <laughs> yeah. We, we joked about doing one for Arbor day. Um, we've got some few, a, a few fun ones. Yeah. But I, we're, we're going to get back into yeah. the other holidays. We're going to do some new ones. Um, we've talked about other movies that we're going to do. We've got more sequels coming up. Um, we got a lot of fun shit. Yeah, we've got a lot of movies. We Comics Crunch is going to continue. Yep. It hasn't reached a year yet. <laughs> nope, not yet, not yet. But uh, and and we love the Comics Crunch episodes. Yeah. Um, and the next one that's hitting the main feed is going to be a blast. Check it out. Yeah. Um, but speaking of, uh, if you do want to get some extra content and wouldn't mind supporting us, which we would absolutely greatly mm-hmm. appreciate, uh, then uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon. Yeah, um, $5 a month gives you early access to Comics Crunch and approximately 80 bajillion things that we've created over yeah, the past you get, year. You get the backlog, the back catalog of everything. We, we <laughs> I plugged it in the middle of the episode. Yeah, you did. But yeah, we've got like, screw it. This is the, this is the anniversary episode. Like, yeah, yeah we've got the synthetic from the, we, we did a stat block for Ash from the first movie. Uh, we've done tons of magic items, subclasses, mm-hmm. lineages. Uh, we, Chris Backgrounds. Did a, Chris did a background. <laughs> Uh, we did a uh, a very fun character of uh, portray of John Voight's portrayal of his character mm-hmm. in Anaconda. We did not condone John Voight. Um, we did the uh, truck from uh, Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. We got a we got a semi truck that we drives a... like an idiot. Uh, we... <laughs> I still fucking love my truck. You dick. <laughs> um, we've got uh, we've got a, we got some stuff from a lost episode that we recorded and never made since yeah. the light of day, but. We've got um, Ghost Rider as a uh, character class. We've got, got Ghost Rider as a character class. Um, we've got all kinds of fun stuff. We've got uh, approximately 80 billion magical items from everything. Like, yeah, I did a like, ton of magic items for Tremors. Tremors has like a huge catalog of, ma- <laughs> of bizarre magical items. Yeah, tons tons of magical items. Um, tons more stat blocks. Uh-huh. Uh, and all of that just for five bucks a month, which is uh, now officially renamed as the Swamp Heap level. Swamp Heap level, yep. Uh, and our dollar level are the Fur Buddies. Yeah, if you want to be a Fur Buddy, uh, it's just a dollar a month. You don't get any specific 
bonus content, but uh, does help us out. It does help us. us, if nothing else, recoup the cost of renting and buying these movies. Yeah, and... and <laughs> Which is just a huge thing. Yeah. And, I'm tired and, of doing that. <laughs> you're tired... Anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> it would it would be amazing. We would love you forever. I mean, we love you if you listen to this, just yeah. straight up. But um, so, yep. But uh, Matt, what are we doing for uh, next episode, which is not a anniversary episode and is like episode one proper of the new season? What, what are you doing to me? So... You look sad. <laughs> <laughs> Am I gonna have to hurt you? So, Chris, I'll punish um, you. We have another request. Oh, fuck. Uh, Those never end well for me. We are going to be doing a movie. We are going to be doing Prey. Nope, not that one. Not the new one. Are we going to be playing the video game? Nope, not that. The other video game? Nope, not that one either. What are we What are we doing? It's... I, you, I don't want to tell you because I don't want you to quit. We're going to be doing Prey. What year is it? <laughs> I have to know what we're doing before I say anything. <laughs> Uh, hold on. Let me double check. I don't remember. I, I need to know how mad to get. And if I need to divorce your wife. <laughs> uh, the, it, it came out in 2019. Oh, what the fuck? That's a dumbass looking monster. Yeah, I think he's a cool looking monster. He got an iron face. <laughs> Young man must survive an island retreat while a sinister force hunts him, leaving bodies in its wake. This looks like... Fucking sweetheart, but bad. Which is why it's the next one we're Oh, goddammit. <laughs> like poetry, it rhymes. I'm tired of it rhyming. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, unless unless I think of a better one, this is what we're going to do. We might need 4.6 out of 10? That's a low number. <laughs> it's a pretty low number. I've heard nothing good about this movie. Uh, I'm glad you're the one who's going to fucking recap it then, because I can do other things while I'm watching it. <laughs> So that's what we're going to be doing next time. Um, Great. Cool. Way to end our anniversary episode with a bang, Matt. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be that. Um, if you want any of the, the publicly released stat blocks, uh, you can find them in the description of the episode, on our Twitter. Uh, links everywhere, pretty much. Uh, you can also find them on D&D Beyond uh, with, under the uh, username the underscore best underscore disguise. Um, I have officially caught up to those as of Jaws episode. I've put, I've published them all. Hooray. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess that's it. Chris, unless oh, there's anything um, else you wanted to. Did want to say that we are going to release the uh, Critter Kibbles episode to the public feed for this episode. That's um, right. uh, released on the public feed right as um both an anniversary celebration of of our podcast and, and also a, to kind of tease what we do in those episodes yeah to kind of give you uh, an idea it's, it's gonna be like a super cool big episode we're gonna not only do stuff for aliens but we're gonna go back and revisit stuff that we either weren't quite happy with originally or that we didn't do for whatever reason and just wanted to yeah i've got some fun ideas yeah. i'm not gonna go into details no. with what because you can just Listen to that damn episode. And because we haven't made them yet. <laughs> that too. Um, but yeah, we'll be recording that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. And with that, if you do want to reach out to us uh, in any any manner, uh, get a hold of us to request a movie or uh, to criticize our stat blocks um, or if you use any of them especially. I think I've gotten enough criticism this episode for my stat blocks. If you... Uh, <laughs> 
Um, I'm, I'm a delicate flower. I don't need that. Um, put, whip them into shape. But no, if you do use these episodes, or if you do any use any of these step blocks in your home games, um, we would love, love, love to hear about it. Know how it went. Uh, I've I've play tested far too few of these things. Um, but uh, just see what you think. Whatever. Hit us up. Talk to us. Uh, you can email us. Uh, we are available creaturecrunchpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can tweet at us uh, at creaturecrunch on Twitter, of course. Uh, I, we technically have an Instagram. Has it ever been updated? No. Okay. Because uh, most of Instagram is pictures, and I don't know what we had pictures of. But, um, but yeah, we, we've got all that. Uh, and we then need to you get can... a Tumblr presence is what we need. I had thought about that. I thought about resurrecting my old Tumblr. Just we just to... need to make a new one and, and do yeah, that sort of thing. I might, I might go back into that. But anyway, um, and then you can, of course, uh, tweet at us individually. Uh, Chris, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the library C. That's C E E. I does the painting and occasionally laugh about the queen dying. And you can tweet at me. Um, I am, of course, Danny underscore Hamstake, at Danny underscore Hamstake on Twitter. Uh, I retweet a lot of Godzilla stuff. Occasionally yell at some corporate brands. You haven't done that in a while. I haven't. Well, I haven't gotten pissed off enough in a while. Yeah. At least, at least not pissed off enough to warrant complaining about them that I don't think is going to have direct repercussions to the, to the under <laughs> under yeah underpaid yeah. servers. So, um, but I mean, that's pretty much what I use my Twitter for. Every now and then, I'll try to strike up a conversation with D and D. Nobody really reciprocates. Uh, <laughs> but I know uh, I don't. But yeah, um, with that, we will see you next time for prank. But not that one.